Welcome to the Growing with Nature podcast. I'm your host, Darren Williams, permaculture enthusiast, restoration ecologist, and founder of Growing with Nature. Too often, we hear that the best thing we can do for nature is to leave it alone. But people are a part of nature, and you can make the living world around you come alive with abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, even in your own backyard. Join me on a journey through regenerative soil building, permaculture, restoration ecology, and more. To learn concrete steps you can take at home to support wildlife, grow incredible, delicious food, and help heal our living world right in your own backyard. Ready to get started? Grab a shovel, roll up your sleeves, and let's make the living world around you come alive. Got a question for you. Do you know any edible native plants growing in your area? Perhaps a berry or two? Often that's the extent of most people's knowledge. And, you know, some of you out there are probably thinking about stinging nettles and maybe a few others that you might harvest uh, when you go foraging. But... But, you know, there's a lot more than that. There's actually tons of native vegetables growing all around us. Often, we just don't know about them. I know for myself, you know, I'm having, I'm still learning. I'm having to, every year I'm researching and learning more and more about these amazing plants. And in this episode, I'm going to try to inspire you to give native vegetables a try on your property and in your garden. I'm going to give you some tips on how to get started with them and share which ones I'm growing on our property. And if you're wondering what I mean when I say native vegetable, I'm talking about any native plant that can be used like you would use a traditional veggie from a kitchen garden or from your grocery store. And in the last episode, I talked about perennial vegetables and all the reasons why you should grow them. Native vegetables are a natural extension of this topic, but with a more local nature. You know, my view is I don't believe that a salad prepared in Western Washington one prepared in Colorado, one prepared in New England, and one made in Eng- England. I don't believe they should be the same, but right now they basically are. You know, those salads should all be similar because these are all temperate climates, but they should be different. And this difference would come from all the native vegetables that are unique to each of these areas that could be used in making these salads. You know, our own salads, we try to eat salads every day. And our own salads often contain a wide range of native vegetables that we're growing in our backyard. In fact, some of our salads are predominantly native veggies. But, you know, it really goes beyond just getting fantastic harvests that connect you to your local region. You know, native vegetables also provide tons of other benefits. You know, they're going to be perennials for the most part. So they're going to provide all the same benefits as other perennial vegetables, helping to build soil, saving you time and energy, you know, all all those things. And I recommend you check out last week's episode if you really want to learn more about perennial vegetables. But where native vegetables really come into their own is how well they can help support wildlife, especially picky insects. So what do I mean when I say picky insects? And why would you want to support them? Well, the classic picky insect is the monarch. You know, the monarch butterfly can only use uh, milkweed for its caterpillars. That's a host plant is what it's called. And basically its caterpillars need to eat uh, milkweed and that's the only plant they're going to eat. And it turns out monarchs are just a classic example, but 90% of all picky insects out are picky insects. 90% of all plant eating insects are picky, just like the monarch. And you know, that's a ton of, of life out there. And if you don't plant native plants, 
then you don't get those 90% of those insects. And those, you know, with that much less planting insects out there, you're going to have that much fewer birds and other wildlife because the plants are the base of the food chain, but the plant-eating insects are right above them and they feed so many other wildlife. So if you really want to cultivate abundance for people, plants, and wildlife, then you got to have the plants that support that food chain. And the best thing about growing native vegetables is you can get abundant harvests for you and your family and your community while also helping to support that abundant food chain that supports abundance of wildlife too. But, you know, classic warning, these are going to be, chances are these are going to be new foods for you. Most of them are pretty simple, but some, some plants can, you know, not work well with certain people. The classic example is sunchokes, which actually are native to parts of the United States. And, you know, they can make some people pretty gassy and uncomfortable. So other people are fine with them. And that's just a kind of classic example. So when trying new foods, you know, take it slow, see how your body reacts to them. I've never had any issues, but I know some people can. So just, you know, be careful, you know, like you would tr- when you're trying any new foods and make sure you know what you're eating too. You know, common names aren't always good enough. You know, look up the scientific names, make sure you know what you're eating. That's one of the great advantages of planting native plants in your own backyard is then you know what you're planting and it's much easier to always harvest the right plant when you've planted it and you've taken care of it and you know what it is than if you're trying to find it out out in a natural area so in the rest of this episode though we're going to take a look at native vegetables and i'm going to share with you what i'm growing what's worked well for us and give you some tips to help you get started so let's dive into native vegetables but before we do if you like what you hear today, then please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us, people like you who want to bring these skills home to enjoy wildlife, grow more food, and help heal our living world. And don't forget to check out the links in the description for more information. Okay, let's get started. So to start us off, I want to tell a little story about a native vegetable here in western Washington called checkermalo. There's actually a couple different species of checkermalas here. The two that you know really grow in this area where I live are the Rose and Henderson checkermalas. They're very similar, but they do have some differences. You know, these are really beautiful plants. They're often found in prairies with the Henderson checkermala liking a bit more moisture than the Rose checkermala. You know, their leaves are deep green, kind of like a maple leaf. And they grow these really lovely um, pink flowers on, you know, one to two foot high stalks. And they really look a lot like hollyhocks. And, you know, bumblebees love them. And so do a lot of other native pollinators. And, you know, it's just really beautiful to look out and see them um, blooming. And unlike some of our annual veggies, they don't get bitter when they flower. You can just keep harvesting them throughout that time, even when they're going to seed. You can just keep harvesting them. They're super easy to grow, but they're really not very common out in the wild anymore. And in some parts of their range, like down in Oregon, they're actually becoming quite rare. And, you know, there's a native bee down there that relies on these, on checkermallows. And that's actually one of the only plants it will pollinate. And as these plants become less common, that bee is becoming very rare. And that's another example of a picky insect. In this case, it's not a plant-eating insect. It's a pollinator. 
that relies, that's so adapted to these specific plants that it needs them. You know, and I just, I really love what growing checkermolas has done to with our property. You know, just so beautiful. They are great. They, you know, they form nice little mounds about, get about, you know, a foot to two foot across, you know, and they're great tasting. They really have a mild flavor. It's kind of their own unique flavor, but it's so mild that you can use it in salads. You can use it on sandwiches or in wraps. You can cook with it, with them. You know, they're just, and they provide tons of greens. The first year is a little slow. After that, they're going to provide you more greens than you can possibly eat. And, you know, we also, like I said, you can cook with them. I like to make, uh, use them in my scrambles a lot, like scrambled eggs. And, but really you can use them in anything you would use spinach or chard. The rose checker mallow, you know, its leaves are a little smaller than the Henderson and they're also a bit fuzzy, you know, which is okay, but I don't know, the texture is a little off for me in salads. As long as I don't use too many of them, it's fine. But when you cook them, that fuzziness goes away. And so that's, that's fantastic. The Henderson Chakramalas, though, has quite a bit bigger leaves, and they don't have any of that fuzziness. So they're my favorite to use in, you know, when I'm eating raw in, like, salads and wraps and sandwiches. And you can still cook with them, too. That's fine. But Rose Chakramalas has one great advantage, is that it doesn't die back at all in the winter. So we were able to keep harvesting ours throughout the winter and it just was happily even growing some new leaves, even despite the harvesting in the winter, you know, Henderson checkermala doesn't die back entirely, but it, it tends to have a lot fewer leaves in the winter. So, you know, that's kind of the trade off with it. So I like to have Henderson more during the spring, summer and fall and rose more in the winter. And then either of them can be great for cooking year round. You know, but despite these plants being super easy to grow and really great tasting, and along with being just absolutely beautiful, I rarely see anyone else growing them. And they're also not readily available from nurseries, except from native plant nurseries. And even when I've talked to local native plant experts, you know, local botanists who specialize on native plants, many of them were surprised to find out that checkermals were edible. And it turns out, as I did more research into these, that there are at least two dozen different species of checkermallows growing up and down the west, western North America. And from what I can tell, it looks like they're all edible. Though I would definitely, you know, make sure to research any that are growing in your area to double check. But, you know, this is why I wanted to share this story is because here's an incredibly easy plant to grow. There's, you know... There's different species of checkermallows. They all grow in different habitats. Some like drier, some like wetter. Some are better, have more drought tolerance than others. You know, but there's at least two dozen. And these are just amazing perennial veggies. And they're native. They support native insects, native pollinators, other wildlife. And, you know, we just, we can't keep up with the harvests from them. We just keep getting more. They're self-seeding some, so I'm transplanting them to other areas. Because, again, they're just so beautiful. And, you know, we're going to start chopping, dropping them. We'll probably be cutting them back to feed and giving them to our chickens. You know, they're just, they're just so great. And they're just one example. There's so many more native vegetables out there for you to learn about. And many of these plants were and often still are being used by native peoples. Unfortunately, when... You know, when 
settlers came into this area and, and took the land from native peoples, they tended to just ignore that the traditional knowledge that the native peoples still to this day have. And, you know, that native knowledge often included which native plants would provide fantastic harvests. But instead of working with the native peoples, they, you know, pushed them aside. And a lot of that knowledge was forgotten, at least by our culture, uh, the dominant culture in, in the United States. And that's too bad because, you know, now we're having to relearn that and hopefully we can do it with some humility. But it's, you know, learning about these plants, these are the foods that can really help support us where we live today because these are the foods that are a part of the land where we all live. And on our own property, we've been slowly expanding the number of native vegetables we're growing. Currently, you know, we're growing Miner's lettuce, woodland sorrel, Pacific water leaf, Henderson and Rose checker mallows, hookers and nodding onions, early blue violet, wapato, deltoid balsam root, and several different native lilies. And there's more that we're wanting to try. We're in the process of growing uh, spring bank clovers to start planting. Um, we want to try Pacific water leaf soon. Or, sorry, not Pacific water leaf, but Pacific silverweed. We want to try to get some stinging nettles growing on our property. Uh, we want to try a native veggie called spring gold. Um, we also want to try growing a, another one called pestle parsnip. And then we want to also try getting some cattails established. All these could be fantastic native vegetables. And there's so many more than these. But these are the ones that we're, we want to try next. So, you know, I really believe that in this day and age, we all need to embrace these native vegetables and take some effort to learn about them. And, you know, that really leads us to our first tip. And that first tip is simply to take the time to start researching and learning about native vegetables. You know, it can be hard to find good lists of native edibles that go beyond the roots, berries, and nuts. You know, those are great, but they often skip the greens. And, you know, one of the great options to help find and learn about these is to reach out to some local foraging groups and ask them if you can join them and see so that you can help learn about what plants are growing wild in your area. Now, they won't all be native. You know, dandelions, for example, aren't native. They're growing wild everywhere. Um, but there's some of them are going to be native and you can, you know, look them up, learn about them. And, you know, we're going to give some links in the description um, on the show notes there to help you get started with this. But one great site to look up plants and to determine if they're edible, for example, is the Plants for a Future site. Now, they won't have every native plant, on, you know, that you might come across, but they have a lot of them. And they what's great is they give an edibility score along with some information and references about what parts of the plant are edible how you can use them, and what they taste about, or what they taste like. You know, I use that site a ton. I often will just stick a plant name, the scientific name, in their search box and just see what pops up. I've been surprised about plants that I didn't know were edible all of a sudden realizing, oh, it actually is. And the other thing that's great is if you look at their, they always cite their resources, which I really like. Because you can look at those resources, and I've discovered books and other websites and other resources through this site that then I can 
you know, buy or go visit and use that too to find more plants. So that can be really great. For example, I learned about a book that's all about the um, plants that were that were and are being used by native peoples up and down the west coast of Washington State. That was, you know, it was published back in the 40s. And it's just a fantastic resource. And, you know, I wouldn't have learned about it if I hadn't followed the resources listed in the plants for a future site. And, you know, but also try Googling. Just, you know, once you know what plant you're looking for and you can put in the scientific name, just stick it in Google and see what you find. You know, sometimes you'll be Googling, like, you know, the native plant edible or native this native plant for sale, something like that. And, you know, you don't know what's going to pop up. For example, I found out about a, a little nursery down in Western Oregon called the Native Foods Nursery. And, you know, they're a great little nursery. I've ordered some plants from them. Pretty much everything they sell is edible and native to at least part of the West Coast of North America. And I learned about checker mallows through that site. And, you know, they're... Today, I you know, I still order plants from them, but I also just look at their list of plants, and that's how I found out about some others, too. And, you know, there's other nurseries I've discovered this way. And you never know, you know, as you're just diving into Google, <laughs> what new sites you'll discover um, that really turns out to be a goldmine of information about native vegetables. You know, there are people out, out there who are very passionate about these plants. And, you know, I've discovered uh, um, little blogs that you know are focused in one part of the country and it's just somebody's adventures foraging and utilizing native um edible plants and sometimes these people can be a wealth of information you know and every year i'm learning about new resources i'm learning about new native veggies and so you know this is what i do and i really hope you do the same is you know if you're diving into this keep a list of the native vegetables you want to try and as you try them, you know, keep track of which ones do well in your property and which ones you love to grow and harvest and that you like to cook with and that your family and you enjoy eating. You know, that list will, even if you can't find them all at first, you know, just having that list will help you keep moving forward. And the second tip, you know, is to find some sources to buy them. We always talked about that a little bit. And then to start off with just a few at a time. You know, a few native veggies at a time. Once you got your list of native vegetables, you know, the the big challenge is finding them. You know, often they're not going to be in your local nurseries. But if you have a local native plant nursery, then they may have them. You know, what I like to do is I like to do Google searches where I'll put in the scientific name for the plant and I'll add on the end of that, you know, words like for sale or seeds or bare root or plugs, you know, things like that. And sometimes I also just start Googling like native plant nurseries in a given area. You know, that's how I found some of the ones in my area initially. And, you know, over time you'll learn and you'll, you'll start find you'll really get a sense of what are the best resources in your area. Like in here in Western Washington, there's really just a handful of nurseries that are ideal. You know, some of my favorites is the one down in Oregon, the native foods nursery, but then also fourth corner nursery up in Bellingham is a fantastic option. And I, order a lot of plants from them every year and you know another resource is you know look talk to your local um, extension offices they may know of sources for you they may even have native plants that they, they sell some of them do native plant sales every year and also talk to your local conservation district pretty much every county in the country should in the united states at least 
should have a conservation district or soil conservation district. Sometimes they have slightly different names. And, you know, some of them will do native plant sales themselves, but they will also be able to point you in the right direction and help you find nurseries. You know, and after you've got a few sources of native plants and you kind of got familiar with that, then, you know, you got to start digging into their catalogs and finding out what they sell. You know, and then look at your list of ones you want to try, look at the ones that are available, find what matches, and pick one or two that you want to try and start there. And just like we covered with perennial veggies in the last episode, start small. See what, plant one or two, see what does well on your property, and which of these that you actually like harvesting and eating. Then add a few new ones the next year and plant more of the ones you liked uh, from before. And just keep expanding year after year. And if you do this over time, you really will build up a great collection of native vegetables. The final tip is about where to plant these native vegetables. You don't have to start in the garden. But the garden is a great place for native vegetables. But remember, they're mostly perennial, so make sure they can stay where you put them. You know, I like to put them in the ends of the garden beds. That's a great place. You know, I've actually created some little special areas at the ends of each of our garden beds for native vegetables. But you can also plant them around your trees and shrubs, you know, even in your front yards, just like you would mix in flowers like the chakramalas. You know, if you if I planted them, they are actually in my front yard. But if you planted them in a classic suburban front yard, people are just going to see beautiful flowers. They're not going to think anything of them. And, you know, just like with the perennials, you can make a dedicated bed for them. And this can be a good way to try them out and see what works best. And, you know, I started by planting native vegetables around all of our trees and shrubs in our front food forest and another food forest. And, you know, also in our hedgerows and then, like I said, at the ends of our garden beds. And what's great about this, you know, foraging is a great option. You know, but foraging, the plants are kind of here and there. You have to find them. And there's a lot of skill that goes into knowing how to read the landscape and finding these specific plants. But when you plant these same native plants in your own property, you can create a native edible landscape that everywhere you walk is just, you know, right at your feet are just tons of abundant native foods. And, you know, you can mix in other perennial foods. You could have an apple tree with native, you know, veggies growing underneath it. You can, you know, they don't have, you can mix all these together And the result is it's kind of like foraging because you're just going to be going on an exploration through your own backyard, harvesting here and there instead of the classic, you know, neat garden beds. But it's unlike foraging, you would have planted these plants. So you're going to know where they are. You're going to, it'll be much easier to ID them. And, you know, you can really plant it so that pretty much everything is edible. And, you know, and that's just, it's so nice. Like, I love going for a walk through our property, through the areas I've been planting. Like, I'll grab a salad bowl and I can just walk along and just pick here and there. And, you know, it looks like I'm just kind of out foraging, but these are all plants I've planted. And, you know, so it's it's very purposeful in that way. But at the same time, you know, doing it in this way is also supporting just tons of wildlife. And this really is creating a abundance for, you know, people, plants, and wildlife. And, you know... But also, you know, we still have a kitchen garden, but I am starting to try to figure out ways to mix in native um, veggies inside the kitchen garden more and more. I already have some in there, and I'm looking at others, um, even looking at some native strawberries, which, you know, they're not really veggies, but they're they're a native um, edible plant. To, you know, different options to kind of mix them in, you know, 
in that way. So look at the ones that grow in your area. If you can find some really nice, low-growing, not aggressive, you know, native veggies, try mixing them in under your tomatoes. That could be a great option. You can also plant them like you would flowers, you know, in between your veggies. But just keep in mind, you know, the native vegetable is going to be there year after year. And depending on the type, some of them can get quite large, especially in their second or third year. So be, just be careful what you choose. But either way, you can really mix them in throughout. So are you excited to try growing native vegetables? You know, they're really becoming some of our most abundant harvests. You know, native veggies, they, many of them just, they taste great and they just provide so much food. Uh, we just, you know, we're using them every day. But it does take some trial and error to figure out which ones do the best and where they like to grow. You know, and it takes time to learn how to cook them. You know, this is why I really recommend starting out small. You know, start with just picking a couple native veggies out. Just pick one or two. And then, you you know, you got to keep researching and learning about these plants. You know, the knowledge of which native plants make the best vegetables is unfortunately not that widespread. And, and it's going to take time to learn to rediscover this information, this knowledge, especially how to cook with them. You know, you're not likely to find recipes for most of these plants. So you're going to have to experiment some. You know, with greens, that's why I like to start out with, with greens. Because you could take, you know, if a recipe calls for a cup of spinach, you could try a cup of checker mallows and see how what it, how it works. Maybe it would take two cups. Maybe it would take half a cup. You know, you kind of experiment and learn how to substitute one for the other. But it really is worth the effort to learn and rediscover these fantastic plants for yourself and how to use them. You know, I really do believe that it's really fantastic, you know, to have more of our foods coming from the native plants that are really a part of our local, should be a part of our local food culture. You know, these plants are part of what defines where we all live. And, you know, it really is a way of, of building a true local food movement. You know, your salads, if you plant native veggies, are going to be different from my salads. And they'll be different from salads in other areas. And that's fantastic. And so will, other meals will be different. They're going to, you know, really have that a unique flavor that is unique to where they're from. But it really goes beyond that. You know, that's kind of a fun element that, ha you know, you can put some value on that. But these native veggies, you know, they're going to support a vast diversity of wildlife, many of which will be are dependent on those specific native veg vegetables. And that's one of the things that's just so great about that is that you can get huge abundant harvests from these plants and also be supporting wildlife. You know, instead of having to fight wildlife and trying to, you know, we got, like we said, people often worry about pests on their garden. Instead, you can celebrate the fact that these plants are part of the food system, the local food system that the wildlife enjoy and that you can enjoy too. And if you pick native vegetables that are adapted to your local growing conditions, you know, you won't need to water them and, you know, you don't need to fertilize them either. After the first year, you may need to give a little water, but a lot of these plants... If you plant them in the fall, they'll, you know, they'll get established over the winter and come spring, they'll be happy and growing great and you may never need to water them. You know, really a lot of these native plants, you know, I don't water or fertilize ours. You know, we just give them some basic maintenance, just do some chop and drop if they start growing out into our paths a little bit, things like that. And, you know, that can be a great way to help build soil too. So, you know, you're get, you're just using some basic maintenance, you're getting abundant harvests and you're building a local food culture, and you're supporting local wildlife. You know, perennial veggies are just a, or 
native veggies are just a fantastic option to grow. And I really hope you consider mixing them in because they really are a fantastic way to help cultivate abundance for people, plants, and wildlife. I hope you say, hope you've enjoyed this and stay tuned for our next episode. You know, we're going to be shifting gears away from perennial veggies and native vegetables um, to look at building healthy soil. And in this case, we're going to be looking at how to deal with compacted soil without digging. You know, we're going to tell a story about how we turned a gravel parking lot that was so compacted that we couldn't even, you know, I could barely pound in a T-post into it. Um, to now I can dig into it with my hands. And we did that, you know, we turned it into a, this lush, abundant food forest. And that was all done with without digging. It was just, you know, there's some really simple steps you can take that can turn an area like that into an area that's just filled with life and is you know, it's just really amazing to see what a transformation, what simple, how simple it is to get this huge transformation. So I hope you'll join us next week for that episode about how to deal with compacted soil without digging. Thank you. And let's work together to heal our living world. All right. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And thank you for listening to the Growing With Nature podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our patrons over on patreon.com. Thank you, patrons, for supporting our work. And if you like what you hear, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Your review will help more people find us, people like you who want to bring these skills home to support wildlife, grow food, and help heal our living world. Well, that's all for now. See you next week, same time, same place. Have a great week, and keep on growing.